Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome and breakfast. Welcome to the class. Today's class and breakfast is dedicated in loving memory of Sami Sayed. Alava Shalom. Leilinishmat Shalom Boben Rivka. Alava Shalom, sponsored by his son Isaac Sayed. Breakfast in the class is also dedicated in thanks to the esteemed rabbis and their staff for taking care of us with their wisdom, guidance, and patience. May they go from strength to strength in keeping our Jewish values and faith strong and unwavering, sponsored by the Mafar family. Hazaku Baruch. Rabotai, there's something very interesting uh, about the story of Matityahu. What starts off as an amazing story, as the warriors that were heaven sent, everything was beautiful, everything was amazing, suddenly ends in disaster. And what am I talking about? The Gemara tells you that if there's anyone that tells you that they come from the house of Chashmonaim, they come from the, uh, the heroes of our story, you should know that they are not actually, in fact, children of the Chashmonaim. In fact, they are Avadi, their servants. Why? And the Gemara relates a chilling, chilling story where there was a, a man, a servant whose name was Yanai. He was one of the servants of the house of Chashmonaim. He led a rebellion and they killed and wiped out every single living member of the Chashmonai family. The last final member of the family was a young girl. Okay, a young woman. And Yanai decided, you know what? I'll uh, take this woman to be uh, my wife. I'll force myself upon her. And then that way I'll have the legitimacy of having taken the crown and married into the royal family. She understands what's going on. Recognizes that the guy is uh, an avid. And she decides to kill herself, Al Kiddush Hashem, rather than marry him uh, inappropriately. She runs up to the roof of the house and she screams down to the passers by beneath the castle if anyone says that they come from the house of Chashmunaim, you should just know that they are an Evid. Because the only person that's left from the family is me, and the person who's running the merit, the rebellion, to take over is himself an Evid. And with that, she threw herself off of the roof, and that's how the story of the Chashmunai family ended. Now that's a fascinating thing. These uh, great leaders of our people, they were, uh, they were heaven sent. They were from God himself. How could it be that they met with such a terrible end? It's, uh, it's very difficult to understand. And I just want to quote to you what the Ramban writes in Sefer Bereshit Memtet. This was the punishment of the Chashmonaim that they ruled in the second, the second temple. They were the most righteous of, of, the, of them all. And if not for the Chashmonaim, for the Maccabee family, we would have lost the Torah, lost the mitzvot, the Jewish people would have ceased to exist as a people. And still, they were punished with a great and terrible punishment. Because all the children of this great, illustrious, and holy family, with all of their power and their success, they fell in the hands of their enemies to the sword. 
Lema Sha'amru to the Gemara that we just quoted. Why did all of this happen? Now listen to this. Shinikretu kulam be'avonze. They all died in this with this sin. Sha'avru al-Tzavaat hazaken. They transgressed the commandment of the of the great elder Yaakov Avinu, who said Shinemar Lo Yasur Shevet Miyuda. The Pasuk says, Lo Yasur Shevet Miyuda, which means the staff shall not transfer from Yehuda, shall not transfer to somebody else, okay? The only people that are supposed to hold that stick, who is it? The ruling stick is the tribe of Yehuda. That's who was given the Milucha by Yaakov and as well uh, th- by, through uh, his Ruach Kodesh, through God. And because they broke this commandment, this Tzavat Zaken, because when they succeeded at leading the rebellion, they decided, you know what, they were already in power. They decided to seize the kingship of Israel uh, from, uh, from, actually from an, a vacuum of power. So the family of the Kohanim became, they were not from Shevet Yehuda. Since they became kings inappropriately, they were wiped out. Now Rabotai, what's fascinating to me over here is Ramban does not say that they did a avon, that they broke a mitzvah in the Torah. Lo yasur shevet miyuda. He doesn't say that. What does he say? What did they transgress? They transgressed savaat hazaken. Rabotai, I need you to hear that. That means the commandment of the elder. It's not a mitzvah in the Torah. It's not a mitzvah. What, what do you want from my life? It, it's it's, a, it's the, the last will and testament of the Sadiq, but that should result in such a horrible punishment. Rabotai, we learn from here a very powerful lesson. The Pasuk tells us with regards to our great rabbis, Lo Yasur, Lo Tasur, Yimin Usmol. When the rabbi tells you what the halakha is, what the appropriate approach is or appropriate action to do is, a person that says, Lo Tasu should not turn to the right or to the left. And the Gemara makes a prescient remark. It says, Afilu Even if he tells you, Al Yamin small, on your right hand, on the right, is that it's the left. And if he tells you that it's, your left is your right, you follow his advice, his guidance, and his psak halacha. Even if it seems to you to be the opposite of what you think you're supposed to do, a talmi chacham, a true talmi chacham, a sadiq, you have to follow his understanding and his rulings uh, even when you don't understand them properly. That's what the Gemara is, Doresh, on those words, Lotasur, Yemin Usmol. In fact, we've said many times, Rambam says that when we make a beracha, on a mitzvah midrabanan, like as an example, we light the nerot Chanukah, is Chanukah midoraita midrabanan, from the Torah or from the rabbis? The rabbis, it can't be from the Torah. It happened after the Torah was written. So that mitzvah, we stand up and we say, so who commanded us to do that mitzvah? Chachamim. But yet, when we light the candles, what do we say, Isaac? Baruch atah amunai, elokeinu melech haolam, asher that, kiddishanu b'mitzvotav, he sanctified us through his mitzvot, vitzivanu, and he commanded us. Shu commanded us. Where did God command us to light the Hanukkah candles? Rambam writes that the reason why we can make that beracha is because since HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded us to listen to the rabbis, therefore when the rabbis tell you to light the Hanukkah candles, every dirabanan that you follow is also 
a deoraita. Every rabbinic injunction is also a biblical one. But it's a biblical one by proxy, as opposed to a biblical one which is direct. Okay, is that clear? Rabbi Glinsky brings an amazing story, which just, it just brought home the point so beautifully. He said, you know, he was exiled. He went to teach Torah at the time in the Soviet Union. That was a crime. They sent people for that crime to Siberia. So he gets sent to Siberia, and in that frozen wasteland, they throw him in prison, and, you know, they're going to forget about the key. 10 years, 20 years, they don't care, right? That's what it was like. Who's he in the prison with? Hardened criminals, you know, uh, in the intelligentsia of the Soviet Union that was anti the prevailing, the prevailing uh, leadership's uh, views, but he's the only Jew in the whole block, okay? Anyway, the inmates learn that this rabbi is a man that you could respect. He only ate kosher. They obviously weren't giving you lavish meals, but anything that came that everyone else would fight for, the food, he would give up the food. He'd give, they would give it up to other prisoners. He didn't care because he was only eating kosher food. They saw that he was praying. They saw that he was a holy man. And in fact, in, uh, in the depths of that depravity, they would come to him for berachot. One night, he realizes, tonight's the night of Hanukkah. He's in the gulag. How's he going to light Nerot Hanukkah? And he comes up with a brilliant suggestion. In the cell that he shares with uh, these other prisoners, there was a lamp that was burning, hanging from the ceiling. Not electric at the time. It was uh, 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 an oil lamp. Now, they would put it in there so that they would be able to see what the prisoners were up to if they're walking through. Prisoners also wanted the light so they could see what was going on. He realized he doesn't have a match. He can't blow it out and light it again. But what can he do? He could turn the dial and make the wick uh, higher. And when you raise the wick, what happens? It gives the fire more to burn. There's added light in the room. And the halakha is, he brought a shuvot ashba that that is considered, bidi'evid is also considered to light as a, a halakha of lighting nerot chanukah. So to add light, to add fire, Rabbi Galinsky says in a bidi'evid situation, that's also considered a, 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 a lighting of the nerot chanukah. Fascinating. So the, it's already burning, right? It's already drawing the oil. The fact that he adds wick, which means now that there's more flame than there was before, that's also considered bidyevid, lighting the Hanukkah uh, candles. Fascinating insight. Now, Hazit, this guy, Rabbi Glinsky, is very short, famously short. So he says to the guy, his, uh, the, uh, the ruffians that he's in the cell with, he says, please, I need your help. They said, what are your help? He says, tonight's Hanukkah, you know I'm a religious Jew, I want to light Hanukkah candles. They said, where are you getting candles for? He said, I don't have candles. All I have is the light that's burning in our room. My idea is if I go up and I turn the wick up, then I'll be able to burn faster. And he says, I'm asking you permission for two reasons I'm asking you. Number one, it will mean that the oil will burn out faster, which will mean that late at night, it might be that we've used up too much oil because of the larger fire. And it might mean that it'll be a little bit dark in the cell at the, late, at the wee hours of the morning. So number one, I wanted to ask you permission. Number two, I can't reach. They felt bad. They said, Rabbi, you know, it's fine. Who cares? It's okay. You know, we respect you. Anyway, biggest guy takes the rabbi, puts him on his shoulders. The rabbi is now all the way in the air. He reaches up. He uh, makes the beracha. 
and he turns the, the little wheel that sticks out in the lantern to raise the wick. Horror of horrors. Instead of turning the wick to the right, where it goes up, he turned the wick to the left, and the wick sank in the oil, and it went out. Hazi, right? <laughs> Don't get worse than that. Right? Okay, what's he going to do? He tried. He made a mistake. He, you know, They take him down, they put him off the shoulders. By now, the prisoners and the thing, they're banging on the, you know, guard, 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 asking him to come back. The guard comes back. It's inside. There's no wind. He says, well, what happened? Why is it? You know, anyway, the, the Soviets, they would punish with collective punishment. So he says, who put out the light? All the people in the prisons and all the cells, all the they're pointing at the Jewish guy. <laughs> Adai realizes the game is up. He steps forward, he says, me. I'm sure the guy, he looked at the rabbi, this short, right? And he sees the thing, you know. But he didn't ask any questions. He says, um, he says, if you lit it, you, the punishment is uh, that you're going to spend three days in the pit. They would have a solitary confinement, but it wasn't in a room. They would stick you in a pit, literally dug out in the ground with bugs, with rodents, completely pitch black, locked in. You can't move. You could barely sit down, even for a short minute. It's so cramped. And the rabbi is very sharp, Rabbi Galinsky. Uh, he says, oh, Baruch Hashem. The, the guard says, what, 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 are you, what are you so happy about? I just said to you, you're going to go sit in the pit for three days. He says, oh, thank God, I'm so happy. He says, what are you so happy about? He says, listen, Jewish people, he says, we have a holiday. I was telling everyone, we have a holiday called Hanukkah. That's why I was trying to light the candle. He says, one of the mitzvot of the holiday is to sit in a very small pit, very cramped, you know, to sit, to feel the holiday. This, so he said, I'm sorry. I was thinking to myself, how am I going to get into a pit? But now, look, God himself sent you as messengers to help me fulfill the commandment, the mitzvah of the Torah, to sit in the pit on the holiday. The guard says, the KGB, you think the Soviet Union, the communist government, is going to go out of its way to help a Jew fulfill his holiday? You're not leaving this cell for one minute. <laughs> so he got out of the, what's it called, of the, uh, uh, of, of the punishment. But Rabbi Galinsky said, he says, look at the difference between what would have been turning it, the wick to the right and a tiny little... One would have been a story that he'd remember forever in terms of fulfilling the mitzvah of Ner Hanukkah, and the other is an abject failure, a disappearance of the light completely. Rabutai, it's so important to understand. In the beginning of the rebellion, who was leading the rebellion? Matityako, Yukoen Gadol, big tremendous sadiq. Who was leading the, the, the family? That each one of the children, each one of them is considered a big sadiq, a righteous person. So they were doing what they, what they needed to do. And it was done under the guidance of Matitya and everything was right. But after Matitya passed away and his son stepped up to the plate and suddenly realized the power that he had in his hands after leading this Judean revolt against the world's greatest power, the temptation was too much and suddenly they actually stepped out of their lane. Rabotai, listen to this point. They had a mitzvah to listen to a bit to a Talmud Chacham, Yaakov Avinu. The, the, the fact that they didn't listen to what he said is the difference between having more light and having the light completely extinguished. And that is indeed what happened to the Maccabi family. And I learned from here a tremendous lesson. 
I call the lesson, I call it remaining you. There's a lot of times in our life, Rabotai, where you need to shift lanes. Where you need to be somebody that you're not. Have you ever experienced that? Where suddenly you're kind, you're a nice guy, you're the boss. But now there's a guy who works for you. He's taking the mick, like they say, across the pond. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's taking advantage. So suddenly you need to shift into this disciplinarian mode. You need to yell at him. You need to tell him where he, where, what's going on. Be very strict on the time. It's not you. You want to be that boss that everyone is friendly with. But you need to shift out of yourself. Sometimes a person is in a situation where they're broken. They're feeling terrible because of a family tragedy. But they realize that they need to be strong for the other members of the family. So they step up, they put a smile on their face permanently, there's no tears, they're very strong, but it's not who they are. It's not who they are, Abutai. Life sometimes demands of us that we act differently to whom we are. I give an example all the time with my friends in London when I was running Chazak in, uh, in London, in the UK. So my personality is a personality, the type, you know, come on, let's do it. I'm, I'm not always, I don't get caught up in details. You need a details guy to ground you, right? To ask you the question. But I was always the guy, come on, let's go, let's do, try something new, right? But what happens after I took on uh, my brother-in-law, who's also a, he calls him, we call it Yalla in the organization, right? Who always does everything. And I have another guy, Yitzi David, also unbelievable. These guys are smashing through walls. So I had to change my approach in leading the organization at the time. I had to become the anchor to their kite. Why? Because someone needs to do the job. Even though that's not who I was personally. So per previously, I was myself. The moment comes, you need to change. Rabbi Utai, we learn from the story of the Chashmonaim, these were Kohanim. They were not warriors. Good for the time that it took to lead the rebellion, you shift out of your lane. You always have to get back to the person that you really are. Don't mistake the person you became for the person you were supposed to become. When people get jaded, they become cynical. Someone screwed them over, took their money in a business deal. Now they have a choice. You could be very careful, you could look right, left, you know, be cautious when you invest, who you give your money to, great, that's amazing. But what a tragedy it would be if you're left with that feeling for the rest of your life and you're not the trusting, uh, positive, uh, optimistic person that you were once. A lot of times I feel and I see and I speak to people, people ask me, Rabbi, how did I get this way? When I was younger, I was so different. And I ask, well, when did the change happen? You know, I think the change happened when, and they'll point to a time, to a story, to an incident, to a tragedy, to some case. Rabotai, we learn from the Chashmonaim, they had to depart from their regularly scheduled programming, granted. So suddenly, instead of being in the Beit HaMikdash, you're wielding a sword in war, fine. That's what you have to do. In a moment of war, you have to be something other than you are. That's what the situation calls for. But when the situation is over, remember who you were. Otherwise, Rabotai, you snuff the very life force out of yourself. 
because each person, their existence on this earth is for a specific purpose. And if you stop being yourself and you become somebody else, you've literally cut your pipeline to heaven itself. Why are they funding you? Why are they giving you life? Why are they giving you mazal? If you're not the person, if you're not being who you were supposed to be. We don't need you here to do someone else's job. The famous line goes, you may as well be yourself because everybody else is already taken. HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't need you to be someone else. If he did, then he would have made you them. If he made you you, it was uh, with a specific intention. And look at what happens, Rabotai, when they deviated from the Sava'ata Zaken, instead of going right, they went left. It sounds like it's something which is so small, but it can be the difference between the light being extinguished or the light burning brightly. May HaKadosh Baruch Hu always allow us and encourage us and remind us of the people we were before uh, uh, we got changed into something else and allow us to return to our uh, groove, to our lane, to our, uh, our place. And uh, you can always feel when you're in your zone and when you're in your lane, where living life as you is not exhausting. Living life as you is something that energizes you. If it's the opposite, you realize that there's something off here. I'm playing some role that I'm not supposed to be playing. I'm exhausted, I'm depleted, I'm angry, I'm bitter. Something is off here. You need to get back to the truest sense of yourself. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen. Rabbi Chanan